Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Okay, so I just checked this morning about 10 minutes ago, and I realized that this was the 50th episode we have of Screaming from the Sidelines on Believe. That's nice and fitting because the 50, uh, it is reserved for special occasions, and that's what we have today. It's one of our most unique episodes and one that I am personally very excited about. I have three people on the call with me today. They all do awesome work, and they're trying to get the WNBA to come to Oakland, California. And if you've been following sports this week, you know that Oakland fans are hurting and needing for a team. So I'll introduce them one by one. We have our two co-founders of this project. We have Sarah Brandy and Joni Lohman at the forefront of all this. And then we also have Alexis Gray Lawson, who is a former player for the Phoenix Mercury, the California Golden Bears, an Oakland native. And Dr. Alexis Gray Lawson is now the athletic director at Oakland Tech High School. So welcome to all of you. This is a super special morning for me. And uh, if I got up this early, then it means I care. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank us. you. Appreciate it. No, absolutely. And uh, let's actually start where we were just talking right before we hit the record button, which is this project in general and the support for women's sports across the Bay Area, but not just the Bay Area. We're talking about Oakland. And Joni, this is where I'm going to turn to you because I know you are a longtime fan. You went to see the New York Liberty and Detroit Shock at Madison Square Garden in 2000, and you've just been hooked on women's basketball ever since. In fact, a fun fact, which I'll just start with right away, is I learned that you planned your knee replacement surgery around March Madness. Uh, that made me very happy. Because when I was in high school, uh, my mom, I think, planned my wisdom teeth surgery for me around March Madness so I could just sit and watch hey. all day. So uh, she knows me. She knows me very well. And I'm just really happy to hear that. <laughs> Let's have a watch party that doesn't have to be around surgery for the yeah. WNC game this summer. But yeah, that was true. I got to watch every game with no guilt because I was healing. So it was fabulous. I'm 79. Sarah is 29. I think Alexis, you're 36. Is that accurate? So we're just an incredibly cross-generational project. Yeah, and I actually, I saw the Pioneers play in San Francisco in the 70s. So it goes way back. I was at opening game of the ABL when the lasers were blazing and uh, saw the Monarchs win their national championship in the eight, in 14, well, was, I think 16 years ago. But we've been without a Bay Area professional women's team for 14 years, so it's time. I couldn't agree more that it is time. And uh, before we just get into all the details of everything, I think just the best thing we can do for the listeners is uh, dive right in from the beginning and however you want to do it and just telling me about this project, how everything got started, uh, how you brought this idea to life, and then the steps that you're currently taking to work toward this dream. Sarah, where do we start? <laughs> Alexis, I mean, we each have a different role in all of this. Um, I, I can say some of the steps that I'm aware of, and I think each of us has had a different perspective. Um, so last um, October 2021, Elena Beard was introduced by the African-American Sports and Entertainment Group to be the owner, uh, head of a WNBA team in Oakland, and that she would work toward a bid 
for Oakland. And I was happened to be on the call. I happened to get called by Ray Bobbitt, who's the founder of AASCG. And we got in conversation with Elena, and that was the beginning of my interest and excitement about all of this. Um, we had a Zoom organizing meeting. It came, I'm looking at my notes here. That was not until July, 2022. There was a lot of conversation, but nothing kind of officially got underway. I know I'm sure Alexis and um, Sarah were in their own worlds at that time, thinking about this and knew, knowing about it. At that press conference, there was sports media from all across the country, lots of Bay Area, uh, especially black business owners, black media folk. And uh, Alexis, you were there, no, at, this, at the conference. So you were in on that in initial moment. Uh, then this Zoom organizing meeting, maybe about 20 folks came with different backgrounds, including like a, a former college player from St. John's, Janet Roos. That was kind of the beginning of our naming ourselves WNB Oakland, we got next. Um, in terms of the timeline, the Oakland City Council, July, let's see, 2021, gave AASCG exclusive negotiating rights for the Coliseum. Then the Oakland City Council in September 2022 voted unanimously to ask the WNBA for a bid. So there's a lot of support coming from the black business community, from um, also the sports community. And then Sarah, maybe or Alexis talk about the Coliseum press conference and how that impacted everything. Uh, so yeah, like my journey into this was a little uh, different. I, I, so I actually have my own AU program. Um, and so uh, Legacy United and really kind of wanting to figure out a way to give back to Oakland a different way. And obviously being from here, you know, what better way to do it than be present. Right. And so um, in creating that, you know, you have to go out and find funding because every other team, you know, is charging thousands and thousands of dollars and most of our kids can't afford that. So um, I actually had was on the very first one uh, with Elena Beard, uh, who was also my teammate when I was in Washington. Um, and um, I was brought up a couple of times on this whole legend thing uh, by Jay Smith Williams, who I had obviously played with um, at my time when I was younger. So uh, just connecting with her, I met Ray Bobbitt um, and then fast forward, end up meeting these fantastic people. Um, so it kind of just all really collided. And I think the Coliseum was just like a, you know, it's like a, a home welcoming, I think for myself, you know, obviously growing up as a Warriors fan, a real Warriors fan, where it was like Baron Davis and Mike Dunleavy, you know, like uh, when Thunder was the mascot and he was jumping off everything, right? Um, so for me, I talked a lot about that and in, in growing up and really only seeing guys play. Um, and so that really, I think, sparked my interest in, in sports in general. And there was nobody that, um, that was from Oakland that I really could look up to besides, you know, like, you know, you look at Gary Payton or, you know, Hook Mitchell or, you know, any of those guys, um, who are all incredible, but they're not women. Right. Um, so be to, to be the very first to come out of Oakland, to be drafted into the WNBA was Definitely uh, an accomplishment for a whole bunch of different reasons, but I think the Coliseum just brought it all together for me. Uh, when you saw community members come out and really support it um, in a very authentic, only Oakland way, 
Um, so for me, it was definitely nostalgic in a lot of different ways, um, but super excited just about the journey. And I think sometimes we get caught up so much in, you know, wanting something to happen like right in the moment, which I think is sports fans. That's who we are. You know, like we're very moment people. Um, but the journey really has been a really beautiful thing. So for me, I, I've been really excited about the journey to get to having that team here um, and being a part of that. Yeah, we're not only living right in the moment. I think Twitter has made that issue about 25 times worse. So that that's the world we're living in right now as yeah. sports fans. But, uh, but Sarah, I'm going to pivot over to you, actually, because I know that um, – you were back in Boston, and that is where you kind of had your first experience of seeing that online community could spread like a wildfire. Just tell me a little bit about your time in Boston and how that kind of helped you strategize everything that you've done here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I uh, grew up in the South, grew up in Alabama, went to Boston for college, as many, many people do. Um, and when I got up there and I started to kind of see that there was so much, um, you know, professional, I mean, Boston is one of the greatest sports towns in this country. Um, and to know that there was at that time, um, I started um, following, I mean, I, I grew up playing soccer, grew up playing basketball, you know, grew up playing any sport I could get my hands on. But at the time, the Boston Breakers, the professional national women's soccer team, um, was playing at, at Harvard, at Jordan Field. Um, and, you know, I, I had played soccer through high school um, and never really, I was never, you know, as good to think that I would get anywhere. But, you know, it was just a way to, to come out, to have a good time. And so we had been organizing this fan group called the Armada, which was the fan group for the for the team. And so, you know, this was pre-COVID. This was like 2016, 2017. So we were tailgating. We were meeting up in person. And then um, when COVID hit, obviously, um, the WNBA went into this wobble season. And that was really where I started paying attention to the WNBA. You know, I, I grew up playing basketball, but I had never really followed it. I mean, soccer, I was really more of a soccer fan. But watching watching the athletes of the W come together in the wobble season and really, you know, having to deal with so many mental pressures, physical pressures, um, constraints placed upon them by the league, you know, the fact that they had the mentality to go into that wobble and to put on, you know, like sport to the best of their abilities, given the circumstances, it really like made me pay attention. And I'm sure it kind of woke up a lot of fans around the country. And especially what got me to continue watching the W was um, Lay Clarendon had come out as trans and had started publicly talking about, you know, being a trans athlete in the W. And that really spoke to me personally as a trans and non-binary, you know, I can't call myself a former athlete, but trans and non-binary sports fan. Um, to be able to to see somebody be so brave and to be so public, it really kind of shocked me. I had never really seen that before, um, and so it was it was definitely the wobble season. Watching Lake come out um, kind of got me to to like pay more attention to the W and really kind of dive deep into it. 
And I do kind of see myself as like the ultimate fan. Like I'm the kind of person that I always want to be at the tailgates. I'm always going to be there, you know, three hours early, two hours afterwards, um, just having a good time. And so when COVID hit and we couldn't be out there tailgating, we couldn't be out there uh, building community in person. My mindset was, okay, how do we keep that, that same tailgate vibe going online? And so, um, you know, it just starts with a, with a group chat, a group text, and then it goes to Twitter and then it goes to Instagram and then discord and you start bringing people together, um, and, and trying to keep that, that community going. And so, um, in 2021, I moved out here to Oakland with my partner and I moved out here in September, literally September 1st, 2021. And then in October they had that press conference. Um, and as soon as I got out here, I was like, I need to find where my people are at. I need to find the sports fans. I need to find what's going on with, uh, women's sports out here in the Bay. And so I was just trying to like, keep my eyes open, trying to see, you know, who's organizing out here. And so I was lucky enough. I don't even know how I heard about the press conference. I think I was following somebody on Twitter, but I showed up at that press conference on zoom. It was all, all on zoom. Um, October 2021. And at that time, you know, I, I'd only been here for a month, so I, I really didn't know what was going on. I was just here to listen, to show up and support. And um, I had happened to see they had, I think Ray had opened it up to public comment, um, but there was some technical difficulties and, and only one person ended up being able to, to make public comment. And that was Joni and her wife, Jen. And so I immediately knew, like, I don't know who these people are, but I want to talk to them and I want to learn, learn from them and I want to see what's going on. But the Zoom meeting actually ended before anybody else got the chance to talk. And so I was like, oh, man, you know, I don't know how I'm going to find them again. And then in 2022, was it June or July? I forget, Joni. It's July, I think, 2022. Uh, for the, the city council meeting. Yeah. yeah. One of them was November, 2021. The other was September, 2022. But anyway. Yeah. 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 Well, anyway, like six months later, eight months later, we were on, I, I had been keeping up with it. Oh, so after the ASEG original press conference, um, I, I was in that press conference and I was just thinking, you know, what can I do to, to bring people together? And so with my like fan organizing background, I figured, let me just set up a Twitter account, um, just start posting, start talking about what I'm doing. And I feel like other people will start to, to go from there. And so literally during that Zoom meeting, I set up the Twitter account, WNBA Oakland, just figuring, you know, we don't have a name, we don't have a team identity yet, but we'll, we'll build it together as it grows. And so, um, yeah. And then I had happened to see in the next press conference, you know, I was there on Zoom. I didn't know it at the time, but Joni was there on Zoom. And you know how on Zoom you put your little name and your whatever. Yeah. It turns out that Joni had put her email instead of her name. And so I saw that and I was like, oh, I got to email her. I got to connect with her. So I emailed her. Um she was like, I'm doing my own organizing thing. You're doing your own organizing thing. Let's bring it together and let's let's get this thing going. And everything's kind of blown up from there. 
Well, thank you for sharing your story as a personal fan, because I think that is what makes sports so powerful. And especially when you're talking about a team that uh, a city that really needs a team right now. And that's a whole different conversation with what's gone on with the A's. And then also thank you for illustrating some of the positive impacts, even if it's a surprise of technical difficulties, because that's going to make <laughs> me feel better. My microphone was not working before the show, as you know. So, hey, sometimes there's good that comes out of it. This is uh, this is all positive here on a nice little Monday morning. So I love it. Um, look, I think that it's really important to talk about this next thing, because if you polled a bunch of basketball fans and asked them where they'd hope to see the next expansion teams in the WNBA, the Bay Area would be one of the first markets that come to mind. I don't think that's controversial whatsoever. But this goal isn't about getting a team to Santa Clara or San Jose or even sharing the Chase Center with the Warriors in San Francisco. This is about the city of Oakland whose fans are hurting for a team. So, Joni, I'll turn to you. And I just, from your perspective, explain why this mission is central to Oakland and not any of these other cities. Sure. Well, maybe the three of us are a good example for the kind of crowd that will show up for the uh, Oakland team, which one of the tentative names that has come up is the Panthers to celebrate our history with the Black Panthers. But in any case, um, so many reasons. One big one is from what Sarah was talking about, the incredible focus on racial and social justice within the WNBA and how Oakland is a perfect match for that. The work, the, the, our history of work in, in racial justice the incredibly engaged black community here. 80% of the athletes, I think, within the WNBA are black. Um, the queer community here, LGBTQ folk in the WNBA are now celebrated. The, the wives come. I mean, the whole the whole saga with Brittany Griner, which I, is a whole nother story within the WNBA to hold. But the fact that um, we have a coliseum that's waiting for something to happen. And there's a history within Oakland of folks showing up. Um, the Warriors were supported even when they were losing, as Alexis has testified. We have this amazing high school um, program, Oakland Tech, Bishop O'Dowd, Berkeley High, Oakland High. Women's basketball is incredible. If you've ever been to an Oakland Tech game, which I went to, and we Sarah and I got to watch Alexis be honored into her into the Hall of Fame at Oakland Tech. So just the the rah-rah spirit of families behind their kids is so inspiring and they will show up. So it's how do we how do we communicate the spirit of Oakland to folks who only see a crime story about Oakland? I think that's one of the narr narratives that we have to com combat. Um, Berkeley um, UC Berkeley is here, huge women's basketball program. Another thing that we haven't talked about is just the accessibility. If if the Warriors were to sponsor a team at Chase Center, it would be unaffordable to a lot of Bay Area people. And we've already promoted, if you, if you were around during the Sacramento Monarchs era, thousands of us drove 100 miles to, to support the Monarchs. And these were East Bay people. So the East Bay itself is a, a regional area that would support and show up. And also we have the transportation factor. We've got BART, we've got buses, we're right on the freeway. So I think the accessibility and the making the WNBA um, kind of a common, the common person sport 
a place where everyone can show up like they are for the Oakland uh, soul. And I think the soul are, are showing that we've got the fans. Those are some of my thoughts about Oakland, but I think racial justice and gender justice and all of these issues jive with the ethic of the WNBA. I love it. I lived here until the end of kindergarten, so I feel like I don't have quite the same say as people that have been around a long time. Alexis, you are an Oakland native, and obviously you played at Cal. Now you're back in Oakland at Oakland Tech. So uh, I don't know if you have anything to add to everything that Joni just brought up, but um, just in terms of you said you had a different uh, journey into this project than these two, and uh, just what about it? What was it about it, rather, that got you so hooked into this and uh, and just made you want to get a team to Oakland as opposed to something that could share something with the Warriors in San Francisco? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think that the Warriors, you know, Oakland doesn't get enough credit for, like, who the Warriors are. Like, their personalities, their um, – their spirit, the, the way in which they function is really all is really Oakland. Right. Like they just kind of like made a move to San Francisco, which, you know, I can understand for a lot of different reasons, um, you know, but the reality of the matter is like, you know, Oakland is special. Um, and I think even the Warriors still recognize that in in uniforms and everything else to still try to bring that um, that energy. I mean, you, and, you know, I don't know if anybody's been to the Chase Center and, you know, I went to one Warriors game at the Chase Center because it's absolutely unaffordable. But uh, I end up going and um, it's not the same energy, you know, like and the people complained about that. I think, you know, you heard a lot in the playoffs, like the energy is not the same um, that you got when you were in Oakland. Um, and, and so for me, you know, I'm a kid that grew up in West Oakland. Um, I live here now. Um and, you know, I got to see Oakland for really what it was. Um, I think that people bring up crime so much where they'd be like, oh, man, you know, like there's just all this drama always in Oakland. But there's so many special parts of Oakland. I mean, you, I mean, Johnny brought it up. Like, you know, you think about the Panthers. Like, you know, I lived growing up houses down from where the Black Panthers started. Um, so for me, you know, the rich history, um, you know, you get places like, you know, Oh, the OUSD. I mean, you look at all the athletes, the fantastic athletes that have come out of OUSD, not just Oakland Tech, but just Oakland in general is pretty phenomenal. There's probably no other um, league because I remember looking it up. There's no other league um, in the Bay Area that has produced more um, Hall of Famers or athletes. Um, so mm -hmm. when you when you look at Oakland, I mean, it is. Um, definitely like a pool of athletes that love where they come from. I mean, you see myself come back, you see Marshawn and Josh, um, Ricky Henderson. I mean, the list goes on of athletes that come back and they support where they come from. I mean, you even look at like Gary Payton. I mean, he's back in Oakland at Lincoln, right? So it's something mm -hmm. that draws you back because it's such a, a huge piece of like who you are. Like, you know, all of us are very different athletes, but we all have like that that thing, right? And everybody's like, dang, what is that thing? You know, that spirit of like working hard and understanding what it means. You know, people don't understand that. Like I, when I was there and when I was younger and I was in high school, you know, I got to practice with like Ayende Ubaka and Tim Pierce and, um, you know, Damien was way under us watching us. You know, so like people don't take those things into perspective, but like 
we all worked out together because it was just you wanted to be in a space of like um of just learning right and so like my journey of even staying back at home like a big piece of that was like why go you know to yukon or tennessee and create something that's already been there when i can stay home and create a legacy right and and because of that you know you look at you know myself Devin A. Hampton, uh, Ashley Walker, Lasia Clarendon, Brittany Boyd. I mean, you the list goes on of athletes that come from um, this particular area um, that really is the, the culture shift that changed Cal Berkeley. Um, so, you know, it's all those things that make these places what they are. It's the Oakland kids that make them. Um, and so or even the kids that don't necessarily come from here, but also grew up here because maybe the AU team was here or their friends were here. Um, it's just special. And so for me, it's always nostalgic um, to just be back in this place. And, you know, now being back at Tech um, is definitely special in a whole bunch of different ways because I've seen these kids grow up. I know their parents, you know, their parents went to high school with me. Um, so just to see these kids now be just off the charts, you know, you look at Aaron Sellers and Jada and Jayla, you know, in state, you know, they went to state championships in not only basketball, but in track, you know, you know, look at Mari, who's going off the LMU. I mean, it's special. It is a very special thing. Um, and I think that if you're from here, you just get it, you know, it's just a, it's just a piece of who you are. So I'm so excited for people to understand our culture from a different perspective because I think that so much of the time it's so focused on the crime that happens here that it takes away, you know, all those special moments at like Lake Merritt, you know, when you got Juneteenth or, you know, any of those things, right? Um, Fairyland when you grew up. So I don't know. I'm, I'm super excited just for people to get that piece. And for, for me being an athlete that comes out of here, for people to see that there are so many beautiful athletes that come from this place um, that can change the world. So um, I'm excited to, to be a part of that process. If I could validate anything you said uh, with the culture change and your time playing at Cal, I first got into women's basketball because I was a young kid and my dad was very into going to games at Haas Pavilion or even after we moved, just tuning in with the TV. And I really wanted to see players like Ashley Walker and Devin A. Hampton and Alexis Gray Lawson. So this is kind of a full circle moment for me. Um, I went to UC Santa Barbara for college. And at the time, Eliza Pierre was an assistant coach mm -hmm. there. So I, I interviewed her during the pandemic about uh, obviously the Santa Barbara team, but I had to spend the first half of it talking about the final four journey and mm -hmm. everything there, because that was just one of those mm -hmm. moments where we were in a hotel in Santa Cruz watching that game in the elite eight, the whole thing. And then went to overtime and it's just painful. And then when it was over, I'm sitting there thinking like, I can't believe this actually happened. I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life. So um, I just, yeah, commend you for staying home and creating something that uh, you intended to create. And I can confirm from the perspective of a five-year-old white kid who had to move out of Oakland. Uh, I still just fell in love with all of it and, uh, and still do to this day. So um, Appreciate you. No, of course. This is this is just a special treat for me too this morning. So, uh, and I actually want to go back to you because on the role model thing, you know, the game of women's basketball has grown so much, and you've come out and discussed the importance of young girls having female role models. You know, you have the 
the Gary Paytons and the Antonio Lee Davis and the Hook Mitchell. But if you were five or six years old today, who would you be looking at from the women's game as players you would consider a role model, whether that be who they are off the court or how they play on the court? Man, um, so if I was a five-year-old now, so back then I I remember getting into college sports and really – College was the first time that I actually got to really watch the WNBA. I mean, I um, I remember going once uh, where I was like a huge Cynthia Cooper fan for a really long time. Um, I went and I watched them in Sacramento. And I remember I was chasing their bus because I was like, I wanted to meet her so bad, right? Um, but of course, I mean, Cynthia Cooper was probably top, top for me. Um, I loved Candace Parker. Um, you know, Donna Taurasi was my idol because like, you know, for me, she was, she was my Kobe. Um, so it was ironic when I finally got to, to play with her. Um, I remember our first interaction and me just being in complete awe of her. And, uh, you know, I think that she gets such a bad rap because everybody's like, oh man, she's so nasty on the court. And I'm like, yo, like, she's probably the sweetest person that I've ever met off the court though like very like compassionate and thoughtful and really like takes care of her rookies. Um, But if I was, you know, a five-year-old now, uh, which would make me a lot younger than Chelsea, uh, I would probably say Chelsea. Uh, I think she's a great role model. Um, You know, I've obviously seen her grow since she was born um, until this point. Um, And I'm incredibly, incredibly happy for her and proud of her of all she's accomplished because people, if people really knew her story, I think you can't help but fall in love with her story. Um, She was never like the top kid, you know, like everybody always talks about the top kid. She wasn't that kid. She was a very like low key kid. And um, even when she got to college, she was still very low key. I think people understood like her brilliance, but they don't, they didn't really catch on to it. She was like very still low key, you know, got hurt in the W for a little bit. And then, of course, the comeback story happens, right, where she ends up being, you know, the the biggest name in women's basketball right now, Um, especially from the point guard position. Right. So I think for for me, you know, even as her older cousin, I think you can definitely, uh, I think, respect her story and respect her storyline. But I will say her. um, I'm a huge fan of Asia, of her personality. Um, I I think that. You know, when I was growing up, it was a very serious, you know, you had to be serious all the time to, to like prove your dominance. And I think that she, her and Sydney uh, Colson, who I actually know as well, you know, their personalities show on the court where it's fun and it's uh, you want to be around it. <clears throat> um, yeah, I would say that, that those are my top three probably right now. Um, and obviously they all on the aces. Um, but you know, like I, I would say top three right now for sure. I mean, Brittany Griner, obviously, um, who also was a teammate of mine, a uh, fantastic person. Um, I think from if I'm a young kid trying to figure out who I, I'm going to be, again, Brittany's story re- re- like resonates with me just because I think for so long people made assumptions of who she was. And then I think now we're really getting to figure out like, just really what perseverance really looks like. Um, and, you know, I, I I think for me and I think for most basketball players that know Brittany, um, 
of having the experience of like being in her presence and like knowing who she is as a person. And then you see something like that happen to her. Um, it puts you, I think, in a different mode for myself, but I think you then now see her and she is just the way that she's taking this with grace. Um, and I don't know how she has, because I don't know if I would have been able to. Um, it's just pretty incredible. So, I mean, the WNBA, the one thing that I will say, and it's no shade to the NBA whatsoever, but I think the WNBA really allows you to learn stories about these women. Um, and I think that to me is what the spirit of WNBA is in really Oakland. Right. And so that, that tie of, of really understanding people's stories, um, it resonates just not with young girls, but boys as well. And I think that's why we're seeing, starting to see more younger boys going to WNBA games and their families are like, this is, you know, this is, this is the real game. So, um, so yeah. That's a fantastic answer. I, I couldn't argue with the single word of it. Uh, see? Yeah. See, uh, okay. So I'll go to Sarah and Joni for this one, which is had a lot of time to think about if a team wants to come to Oakland. You even discussed the possible name of the Oakland Panthers. Now, I you don't have to have an answer for this because I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot. And uh, Sarah, I'll go to you first. Is there a player right now, whether that's high school, college, international, or a current WNBA player, where you look at them and you think that would be a nice franchise cornerstone if we get a team? Man, I've thought about this a lot over the past couple of years. And I mean, if we could coach, keep uh coax alexis out of retirement i mean (laughs) (laughs) nah but i mean you know i think chelsea is an obvious choice on top of the world right now um not even hitting her prime yet i mean i think she's still got years and years to go in this league um chelsea would be a good choice um you know sabrina ionescu would be fun a little bit of a young talent um coming out of hayward um i think that uh, if we look at if we look at college kids, I think that it would be really fun to have uh, Haley Jones up here. I know you know Stanford, Cal, blah blah blah, but I would love to see her kind of be the face of this team. If we look even younger than that, I mean, look at Alexis's kids at Oakland Tech. You know, uh, Jada and Jayla, they are just killing it. Multi-sport athletes just achieving in so many different ways. Um, we got time to work on them, so they'll be ready. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be my picks. I love it all. That's great. Jody. do you have uh, anyone to add or any uh, agreements there? Um, I was definitely with uh, Ionesco, certainly definitely with Alexis, should she want to. Get you get Chelsea game. here, I'll come out of retirement. That's <laughs> on the record. Yeah, on the record. On the books. I was thinking Jada Curry. I was thinking some of the young college players like Cameron Brink. I was also thinking about some of the veterans who are Bay Area players, at least like the, the Agumake sisters from if we if they would move back to the Bay to be part of this team. I, I, in terms of players that I have huge respect for, I would say Neka Agumake and the the work she's done for the Players Association and all the racial justice and player justice issues. And and she's a fabulous athlete. So that would be some of my choices. Yeah. No, it's all it's a fantastic running list we have here. I mean, maybe we can just get them all and compile the most ultimate roster. And, uh, and look, I will be gracious on the show and say that I'll just put all the Stanford hate aside for maybe like 10 seconds and then go back to being myself. I am really happy to see Haley Jones get in the games right now with, I know Atlanta's had some injuries and stuff, but 
uh, seeing Haley out there, and I think it's a good fit for her. And uh, I'm rooting for Pac-12 and Haley Jones. And now we're back to me being a diehard Cal fan and uh, converted U of A fan. So we're just going to leave it at that. Um, <laughs> okay. So yeah, you know, this was, uh, it's all good things to think about. And, um, Alexis, going back to your relationship with Chelsea, have you run any of this by her about just trying to get a team to Oakland, getting her thoughts on it, just all of that stuff? No, uh, we have not had any conversations about her, about her coming to Oakland or, uh, an Oakland team, I think, um, you know, she, her and Elena are really good friends. Um, so I'm sure they've had those conversations. Um, but yeah, I, I think she would be excited about coming back home. Um, my uncle and aunt, uh, her mom and, and dad have moved to, to Texas where she actually resides now as well. So, um, you know, it would be fun to, to have her back here. I know, like our family and our friends and our loved ones would love her to be back here. And I'm sure the community would love to have her back here. Um, but yeah, I mean, she is the ultimate franchise player for sure. Um, and she's super selfless. So I think you need a little bit of all of those things similar to like, you know, Magic Johnson where, you know, they, their, their love of the game really comes from helping others. Um, which I don't think that you see really in this game anymore. Like everything's about, you know, scoring or, uh, you know, about getting yours because in, in this world, that's kind of where we're at in basketball. Um, so it's, it's, I think it's really refreshing. And I think that's also why people gravitate to Chelsea a lot more is that really the stats don't really show her biggest impacts in games. Um, but yeah, she's always been that, that, that type of kid. So um, yeah, no, not yet. Well, mm-hmm. watching last season was a lot of fun because obviously the Aces have a fantastic roster. And I mean, looking at them this year, even it's like Jackie Young on papers, like yeah. the fifth best player, maybe. And she'll yeah. go for 30 any given night. So uh, but going back to last year, you know, there was Asia and Kelsey Plum had fantastic regular seasons, just all just complete standouts. And then in the playoffs, I felt like Chelsea was an I won't look up the regular stats because I know it's going to be lower than whatever I say. To me, it felt like she was shooting like 89% for a stretch. Like I was just like, what is the last time she even missed a shot and then went on to become WNBA Finals MVP? So that was a ton of fun. And I think that uh, they have a great chance to go and do it again this year with the roster they have, the coach and the chemistry. So uh, it's all fantastic. Um, but look, I, I don't want to get out of here without talking more about this project and uh, what everything is happening right now. There is a petition out there online. You're looking for 20,000 signatures. That is the same number of seats as in Oracle Arena, which would be the hopeful home of the Oakland, insert your favorite team name, uh, Sarah or Joni, whichever one wants to take it. Uh, just tell me, uh, tell everyone rather a little bit about what they can do to support this project and get the ball rolling to create a reality here. Well, I want to make sure Alexis has some strong things to say about that too, because Alexis knows Oakland better than either uh, Sarah or I and knows the game of basketball. So I'd love to hear from Alexis first, what, what your thoughts are about how we can expand our uh, petition campaign, uh, who we need to reach out to any, any thoughts you might have in the, in the moment. Um, 
Well, I mean, I think that everybody could sign this petition, honestly. I mean, I think that I think that people just need to know. Um, it's one thing I will say about Oakland. I think people are always willing to to really show up when they need to show up. I think it's just figuring out what when, when that is. Um, and I think it's always hard. Like I said, I think we're very moment people like they're hoping that it happens tomorrow and that there's going to be an Oakland game tomorrow. Um, and we're going to be at the Coliseum tomorrow. Right. Um, so, you know, that's always a hard part. I think that as we get closer to that date, you know, whenever that date may be uh, when they are here, I think people will get excited. And I think that people will rally behind it. Um, I think it's always just keeping people's attention. Right. Um, and it's sometimes hard to do that because, you know, just like anything else, there's always a down period of like, you know, contracts and all of the like the very um, small things that we don't really think about that goes into to picking bringing these teams here. So I think that really is just just keeping excitement. I think we're doing we're going in the right direction. Um, I think showing up to games and like showing people that, yes, like this is going to happen um, because I think people are more nervous that it's not going to happen because of the A's. Um, dun, dun, dun. Um so, you know, I, I think I think that people are excited, but also nervous because they it's the unknown um, and it's the first of its kind here, at least. So if, if John Fisher doesn't own the team, then I'm more optimistic about this Oakland team than whatever that other team is that I'm not going to talk about right mm-hmm. now, because the, the hat that Sarah has on right now is perfect. I'll, just, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I would, I would, I, I agree with you, Alexis. I think we've learned now. We, at first, we thought this was going to happen like within the year that Elena's beard's uh, bid was going to come in, that everything was going to move really fast. But now we're seeing it's a really longer commitment to this project. So some of the thoughts that we're having are more watch parties. We had a beautiful watch party at Everett and Jones uh, barbecue, the downtown barbecue. We had about 40 people show up, watch the opening game with the uh, 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 Brittany Griner playing against the Sparks. It was a great game, a uh, great audience. And, you know, downtown Oakland, beautiful setting for that. So we're talking about more watch parties. We're going to continue showing up at, there's a semi-pro league called the WPBA, Women's um, Fatima A's League that uh, Alexis is already also involved in that we're going to show up. And I, I went to one of their Saturday sessions and i think i got about 30 signatures there we got at least that many yesterday at the soul game so like alexis said it's keeping our name i think we we have this vacuum now as soon as we can move the a's and that whole conversation a little further off the front page we got a lot of attention when with the press conference uh, we were on the front page of uh the Chronicle, we had the whole double double green section, sporting greens that day. So getting more of that kind of thing. We're, we're going to be stirring the pot with the Oakland City Council because the City Council unanimously is supporting this. We just need them to keep the conversation going. Here we have this positive narrative about WNBA Oakland, which could counter all the negativity that's coming in around the A's. So that's, that's some of the thoughts. I mean, if there's a city that I trust to stay loud, I feel pretty good about where we're at with Oakland, California. So, uh, Sarah, you run the socials as well. And would that be the best place for people to just stay up to date on everything? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think the important thing to keep in mind is, like Alexis said, you know, this team isn't going to be here tomorrow. It's going to take time to build. But what we need to keep in mind is what's important is to build that community from the ground up. And that's what we've been doing. 
And if we do that, we can take that um, community base, that community support, and that's going to keep us going, you know, building for the future, you know, 50 years into the future. And so without that, um, that authentic grassroots community support, you know, what does your team mean? Your team doesn't mean anything. You know what I mean? And so best way to keep in touch with this is social medias. Everything's at WNBA Oakland. Um, on June 24th, next Saturday morning, we're actually hosting a community three-on-three tournament. Would love to see everybody uh, sign up and show out for that. You know, it's just ways to bring the community together, you know? Um, I think what a lot of people don't know is that there are all these little pockets of women hoopers and women ballers that are getting together every single week and playing all around the East Bay. And, you know, all you have to do is just show up, show up to a court with a ball, somebody will hoop with you. Um, And that's really, I think, kind of the beauty of Oakland that a lot of people don't see is you show up and you be yourself. There's going to be people that support you. At least that's what I've experienced. And that's the kind of that's the kind of town I want to build for uh, for the future. I mean, and thank you for just illustrating the importance of community and all this. I think it's really cool that I'm sharing a screen with three people who have had very different backgrounds and ways of getting involved in this project, but are all getting brought together on a screen for the same cause today. And uh, it's just it's a cool thing to see. It makes me optimistic. And I think that's what Oakland needs a little bit of right now, because uh, not only has it been rough in terms of what's been going on with the A's, but even on Twitter and online, it's getting a bad rap and people are blaming it for the wrong reasons. And all I have to say is just do your homework because not that hard sometimes. But uh, seriously, thank you all so much. I, I'm, I can't wait to see where it goes. I've already signed the petition and I know that I like to say rate and like and subscribe to the show and all that at the end of every episode. I don't even care this time. Just Sign the effing petition and go to WNBAOakland.com. You can follow them on Twitter. Dr. Alexis Gray Lawson, Joni Loman, Sarah Brandy. You guys are all just fantastic. Uh, I'm looking forward to staying in touch. This was great. Awesome. Thank you, Greg. Thank you. Go check it out. I cannot stress it enough. And uh, there's 12 teams in the league right now. I'd love to see that get to 16 with the next one being in Oakland, California. So uh, as always, just keep being yourself in the spirit of Oakland. And uh, we'll be back with more episodes soon. Don't know exactly what, and I don't know exactly when, but we'll be back and keep screaming. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.